Good morning. You have already blessed me so very much this morning. As always, I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for participating in our worship assembly this morning, whether you're here in person or you're participating online. I have so enjoyed this series so far. We've been talking about what it means to be filled with the Spirit and how to be filled with the Spirit. We've talked about things like approaching scripture, expecting not just to gain information, but to experience transformation. We've talked about prayer and how when we pray, we never pray alone because the Spirit of God is interceding with us. He's bearing, he's bearing witness. He is groaning with us. We talked last week about how experiencing the Holy Spirit is about getting a foretaste of the age to come and how part of that is is resting, resting, taking a deep breath and knowing that Jesus is king. Amen? Amen. Jesus is king. And that's what walking in and being in and having the Spirit fill us is all about. I I thought it would be helpful this morning to talk a little bit about how how we tend to think about spirituality in our modern world. Maybe you've heard this phrase before that I'm spiritual but not Religious, you've heard that before, I'm spiritual but not religious. In 2017, a Pew Research study found that about a quarter of U.S. adults, 27%, now say, and again, this is kind of a dated study, but now say that they think of themselves as spiritual but not religious. And and that may describe you, in fact, or it may describe people that you know and love. You may think of yourself that way, or certainly you've probably heard people think of, of their life and their spirituality that way, that they're spiritual but not religious. And even if you don't think of yourself that way, this this way of thinking about spirituality has probably influenced you whether you know it or not. This way of of thinking about spirituality has probably influenced you whether you know it or not. I, I thought it would be helpful maybe to define that. What do people mean when they say they're spiritual but not religious? A Harvard University project said this, spiritual but not religious people sometimes think of religion as restrictive and choose to explore various practices and belief systems from the world's many different traditions. They often see themselves as carving a new path in which religion can be freely chosen rather than inherited, representing and molding an understanding of religion that emphasizes individual choice. They draw from various traditions to create their own unique approach to spirituality. I just want you to think about that definition for just a moment. See if if that resonates with you or with sentiments that you've heard. But I want us to think about that because this way of thinking about spirituality has even influenced probably many of us, if not most of us, as we think about what does it mean to be a spiritual person? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Because if you look at this, you see that our, our, modern, our modern view of spirituality tends to be very individualistic, doesn't it? Our modern view of spirituality tends to be very individualistic. But here's the question I want us to think about as we begin this morning. Is that how the early church thought of and experienced the Spirit. 
Again, in our, our modern world, we, we tend to think of spirituality as something that is unique to me, something that I can kind of mix and match, something that I can customize. And we think that I can approach the Spirit of God, and again, people define the Spirit of God in, in very various different ways, but people... And we even tend to think that we can approach the Spirit of God in our own ways, on our own terms, that we can have God personally, individually, customized just for me. But again, is that how the early church thought of and talked about the Holy Spirit? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we tend to talk about His personal indwelling in me and how I experience the Holy Spirit and how I think about the Holy Spirit and how I feel about the Holy Spirit. Again, because this way of thinking, even if you wouldn't describe yourself as spiritual but not religious, this way of thinking about spirituality in very individualistic terms has come to influence so many of us, even, even in the church, that stay in the church and maybe consider ourselves religious people, we tend to think of religion and spirituality very individualistically. And my question for you is, is that how the early church thought of and talked about and experienced and expressed spirituality, experienced and expressed the Holy Spirit? So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Ephesians, and we're going to start in chapter 2. We're going to look at several different passages in Ephesians, but I just want you to think about the way that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus and the way that he talks about the Holy Spirit. Because how Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, how Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit, should shape how we think about our own experience of and expression of spirituality, or our experience of and expression of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. For through him, through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now here in context, the both is Jews and Gentiles. He says, in Christ, we both, Jewish people and Gentile people, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together. What's that word, church? Built how? Together. Built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now again, we have this tendency to talk about the personal indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and there, there's a place for that. The Spirit does dwell in you personally, and that should, that should change how you think about your own body and how you use your body, but the New Testament speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, not just personally, but communally. The Holy Spirit dwells in us together. Together. That means we share the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that Jewish people 
And Gentile people, Gentiles being people of every ethnic group, every nation, every language, every tribe are being built together like we're all stones in this new temple of God. And we are being joined together and built together into a communal dwelling place of God by the Holy Spirit. If you want to have the Holy Spirit, you have to share the Holy Spirit. You you don't experience the Holy Spirit by yourself or on your own terms, in your own ways, on your own. You experience the Holy Spirit together as the church. The Spirit is dwelling in us together as the temple of God. He dwells in us collectively. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. There is how many bodies? One. And there is how many spirits? One. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is one body. Jesus has one body. Oh, we, we may be spread out all over the world, and we may be living in and worshiping in all different buildings all over the community and all over the state and all over the country and all over the world, but we are one body. And why are we one body? Not because we have one building, but because we have one spirit. We are one body because we have one spirit. Just like a human body has, is one, it's, it's unified, it has one spirit. The body of Jesus is one because that one body has one spirit. Again, it's right for us to think about the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. But this Holy Spirit dwells in me because I'm a part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, but the Holy Spirit dwells in you because you are a part of the body of Christ. So often we want spirituality on our own and on our own terms, but that's not the way the Spirit operates. The Spirit operates and dwells in us together as the body of Christ. He is what makes us one. We're family, not because we all look alike, not because we all speak alike, not because we all think alike, but because we have one spirit. We share the one spirit. We have one hope. We have one Lord. We have one faith. We have one baptism. These are what we have in common. And because this is true, we ourselves are one. And again, Paul is writing to Jewish believers and Gentile believers and saying, now, in spite of your ethnic differences, your language differences, your background differences, you are one body because there is one spirit. And because that's true, here's here's what you're supposed to do. 
be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You, you can't create unity. You can't create unity. My, my finger doesn't create unity with the rest of my body. My toe doesn't create unity with the rest of the body. It simply maintains the unity that already exists. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to recognize that we share the Spirit together. And because we share the Spirit, because the same Spirit that dwells in me dwells in you. And since that's true, I have to be eager, 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 zealous, excited, passionate about maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I have to treat you like my own body, like my own flesh and blood, because we are. In Christ, we are. We share one spirit. Look at chapter 4 and verse 29. Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, this, this if we want to talk about the Holy Spirit... You know, even in the first century, the first century, the, the Holy Spirit empowered people to prophesy and speak in tongues, but even in the first century, they were getting so caught up in those things. They were missing the primary work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is love. It's love. And if you're not loving each other, if you're not eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, if you're not holding on to each other, if you're criticizing each other, if you're yelling at each other, if you're hurting each other, if you're running each other down, if you're ignoring each other, if you're not bearing one another's burdens, Paul says you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And of course we would be. The Holy Spirit is the one who's Binding us together, holding us together. We're sharing the Holy Spirit. And when you say, I don't, I don't care about him. I don't care about her. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't want to spend time with them. I don't care what they're going through. When you're critical and judgmental and you're running each other down and you're yelling at each other, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit. But when you align yourself with the Holy Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, and empower you. What does he empower you to do? To be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. Paul says in Galatians 5, what, is the, what does the fruit of the Spirit look like? It looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. See, experiencing and expressing the Holy Spirit, real spirituality is experienced within the body that the one spirit dwells in. In us communally, collectively, 
And being in step with that spirit, aligned with that spirit, is all about how we allow him to empower us to treat each other. When Paul talks about the role of, the mission of, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus talks about the mission of and the role of the Holy Spirit, so often it's about, it's about this, loving one another. See, when we have this idea of spirituality that we think I, I get to experience the Spirit on my own and on my own terms, we are ignoring the reality of how the Spirit operates. He operates so often in us together, collectively. We're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks, but look at Ephesians 5 and verse 15. He says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are, what church? The days are evil. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, this is what we've been talking about throughout this series, isn't it? We live in this present evil age. And we know that, don't we? We know that these days, this time, this era is evil. It's filled with division. It's filled with hate. It's filled with bitterness. It's filled with violence. It's filled with war. These days are evil. But you, but I, but we are supposed to be different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we can actually make the best use of the time. We can actually redeem the time. We can redeem this time. We can steal it back from the evil one. And we can use even this time for God's glory if we live in wisdom and we know what the will of the Lord is. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Oh, we get so caught up in the extraordinary that we miss the ordinary, the ordinary work of the Spirit who is working all over the world to bring about the will of God. And he's working in you to bring about God's will, that you might walk in wisdom, that you might know and do the will of God, that you might make the best use of the time, even right now in these evil days. And you say, it's all falling apart and it's all a mess and everything and every time I turn around I see more heartbreak and I see more evil and I see more disaster and I see more disease and I see more death. And Paul says that's, that's why it's so important that the people who have the Spirit walk by the Spirit, live wisely, don't live foolishly like you lived before. Keep reading with me, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. That's another way of saying don't, don't live foolishly and recklessly and indulgently. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
There's so much there. And, and I want to get a little nerdy, okay? I told you this series is going to be a little tougher. So I'm going to get a little bit into the grammar, but, but stick with me for a second. This phrase, be filled with the Spirit, this filled is a passive imperative verb, okay? Hold on, I know that's, I know that's crazy, but here, next slide. Passive imperative verb. So when we say that it's a, a passive verb, Paul doesn't say, fill yourself with the Spirit, right? He doesn't say, fill yourself with the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, this isn't something you do to yourself. It's something you allow to be done to you. So it would be like me saying, go get the car washed. That's different than me saying, go wash the car, right? If I say, go wash the car, that means you do it yourself. If I say, go get the car washed, that means somebody else is going to do it. But it's still an imperative. It's still a command. It's still an instruction. You have to go. You have to allow it to be done. So Paul says here, don't get drunk with wine. Don't, don't walk foolishly. Don't live like those that are living according to these evil days. Be different. How so be different? Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to fill you. Now, it's so important as we go throughout this series for us to recognize that the Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and you can't control God. Let's say that one more time. You can't control God. You can't manipulate God. You can't make God do what you want God to do. God is God and you are not. You can't control him. You can't manipulate him. You can't force him. But you can align yourself with him. You can surrender to him. You can yield yourself to him. So Paul gives this imperative, this command, this instruction to do something, but it's passive. It's not active. You don't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. You allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then he goes on and he gives us five participles, okay? He gives us five participles. The first one is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, so this is related to be filled with the Spirit. These participles are anchored in the verb filled, be filled with. So, so they point back to that instruction. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The, the sec, the, actually, the second and the third, singing and making melody to the Lord, that is to Jesus, with your heart. So again, all of these participles point back to the instruction to be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The fourth one, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how are these participles, these ING words, how are they pointing back to the instruction of be filled with the Spirit? Are they the cause or the effect? In other words, do we, for instance, do we sing and make melody to the Lord with our heart in order to be filled with the Spirit or because we are filled with the Spirit? 
Do we we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit or because we are filled with the Holy Spirit? You know how I typically answer these kinds of questions, don't you? If it's this or this, a lot of times the answer is yes, yes. Isn't it interesting, again, to go back to our, our beginning idea that so often we think about spirituality as something we experience and something we express individually, by ourselves, personally. We want to customize our spirituality. But Paul ties together being filled with the Spirit with these activities, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always, and submitting to one another. These are communal activities. These are collective activities. These are things we do together. And that fits with everything that he's been saying throughout this letter, that the Holy Spirit is someone that we share. We share the Spirit, and we share these songs. So, To me, it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. It doesn't really matter which comes first, but this is what's happening. When you you sing, when you come here and sing, when you get together, maybe today at Life Group, and you sing together, when you sit with your family and you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you are stepping into a conversation, a musical conversation. A musical conversation that's been ongoing for thousands of years. A musical conversation in which the Holy Spirit is participating. And when you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, something spiritual is happening. You are experiencing and expressing what it is to be filled with the Spirit. So my encouragement, whether whether one comes first or the other, is share the songs and share the Spirit. That's that's what we're doing, isn't it? That's what we're doing every time we gather together. We're sharing the songs and we're sharing the Spirit. And we need to be mindful of both. Mindful of both. Because we are making music with our whole heart. Or we should be anyway. So often, our, our heart, our mind is not really engaged. Could we, could we admit that? That sometimes we come here, and sometimes we sing these songs, and our mouth is engaged, and that's good, but our heart isn't. Sometimes our mouth isn't even engaged. And sometimes we are forgetting and ignoring the role that praise and worship and thanksgiving and singing songs that this plays a role in us being filled with the Spirit. Those who are filled with the Spirit sing songs, and those who sing songs are filled with the Spirit. And it is an ongoing conversation that you are stepping into, that we are stepping into a conversation, a musical conversation, a chorus that has been going on for thousands of years. And God invites you, step into it with us. Share the songs with one another. Share the spirit with one another. And and that's what we experience, isn't it? 
When you speak to one another, when you address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you're not just talking to the Lord, you are doing that, but you're also talking to one another. You are blessing someone else with a spirit-filled message, aren't you? When you're singing these songs, you're blessing someone else with a spirit-filled message, and they are blessing you with a spirit-filled message. It is a reciprocal relationship. We're stepping into this conversation together so that in all of us, the word of Christ may dwell richly. And it is a wonderful thing and something that we too often either don't participate in or we aren't mindful of, that we share the songs, not just with the Lord, but we share the songs with each other and we share the Spirit with each other. So I just want to encourage you, if, if you want to be the kind of person who is walking by the Spirit, if you want to be the kind of person who has the Spirit in them, who is living by the Spirit and not by the flesh, who is walking wisely, knowing and doing the will of God, then yes, it's about how you listen to Scripture, and it's about how you pray, and it's about how you rest, and it's about how you sing. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And when we do, maybe there's somebody here that hasn't yet begun to experience and receive the Holy Spirit, and you're ready to be baptized into Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can become one body with us, share with us, with your brothers and sisters all over the world, the one Holy Spirit, and begin to walk in Him and walk with Him. Or maybe you've already made that decision. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you have been neglecting the Holy Spirit in your life. You've been grieving the Holy Spirit in your life. You've not allowed the Holy Spirit to do his transforming work in you. Or maybe you're just bearing a heavy burden and you need your spirit-filled brothers and sisters to surround you in prayer and care. You can either meet with our shepherds after service in the prayer room or you can come forward now. As together we stand and sing this song.